All right, well, thank you for joining this live uh, Q&A, Ask a Christian. Uh, I'm Tyler Vella of the Freed Thinker podcast and YouTube channel. This will be going up on the YouTube channel. Again, uh, if you are not comfortable with uh, your Discord visage and name going up, or, and that's too doxy for you, um, you may want to uh, not raise your hand for this. This is going to, the screen capture is going to be video uh, video captured uh, and put up on YouTube. Um, so that just, just be aware that that is happening. This is a recorded show. So I just want to get that uh, out of the way so everyone knows this is being recorded. Um, so uh, no one is surprised. So uh, we are going to start, uh, just dive in, you know, start start on start it on so uh, we're going to go with if you raise your hand uh, if you have a question or would like to talk about something if you raise your hand you'll go in the queue keep your hand raised uh, i'll bring people in one at a time um, to have our, our our discussion remember this is an attempt to have a civil uh conversation um and and uh and to talk about some of these topics uh usually try to keep them i, I think the last time we did about five to ten minutes with with uh, with each questioner so uh somewhere in there um so if you could try to get to your point uh, somewhat quickly, um, so we can have a fruitful dialogue. That would be appreciated. So um, I think the first one with the invite coming in, Pro Chinchilla, um, coming coming back. Thank you, thank you so much for coming in. How are you? Good. I'm doing very well. So I wanted to ask a question. Um, that what are the problems um, with Catholicism? They claim to be Christians when some Christians claim that they're not actual Christians. So, like, what are the problems with Catholicism? Uh, Catholicism. Uh, that's with, with, to with, say. Roman, with Roman Catholicism? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, uh, as a Protestant, I, I, um, I am going to have some... some fundamental disagreements with with Roman Catholicism and, and especially in and around um, uh, different views of, of the the authority of the scripture uh, versus the authority of, of tradition um, in and around uh, justification by faith alone um, and, and and some of those other uh, kind of historic divisions between Protestants and, and Catholics um, that's going to be a, a, a much a much broader discussion. Uh, but I think fundamentally, th those really are the two issues. There, there's where, where is the locus of, of authority reside? Um, for a Protestant, it's going to reside in God and in His Word, and for a uh, Catholic, they're going to add in that it, that the the magisterium, the authority of the Church, um, stands over <clears throat> stands over uh, the the authority of well, not over, but side by side with the authority uh, of of the Word. So um, that's going to be a, a major a major uh, divergent, uh, and then also again the the justification by faith alone under under a Protestant view where um, we are we are not saved or regenerated by by any type of religious works. So that's going to be that's going to be a big one. I've always said, with regard to the question of are Catholics Christian, um, is that I you know I, I I think that being being Christian is is minimalistic. Um, in, in the sense of someone who is in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And it doesn't seem to me that in the Bible there's a whole lot of uh, things that are, that are you don't have to, you know, sign off on, on the, 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 the Westminster Confession of Faith or Catechism or something like that in, in, in all of it, you know, to, to, to be a Christian. Same with Roman Catholic, the, the, the Catechism or anything like that. So I, I think there is, 
there, there is room for, for disagreement. I don't think someone is not a Christian simply because they are Catholic, um, although I think they hold to uh, views that are, that are unbiblical um, and false. Um, I do have a hard time um, the higher up the, the chain that one goes in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, yeah. Uh, because, I, you know, I found, I, I found a, lot of, a lot of, you know, kind of pew-sitting Roman Catholics love Jesus, repent, they, they trust in his grace, all that kind of stuff, that, and they don't quite understand all the details uh, of, of uh, really the ins and outs of, of Roman Catholicism and, and, and the doctrine that it holds now. I have a harder time the higher up it goes thinking that the Pope, for example, or, or some of the, you know, the, the bishops higher up um, are, are, as, are as ignorant. So, so I, what, I, what I typically would say is that, that you know, it, it, Roman Catholics who, who, are, who are in Christ you know, are, sa- are saved in spite of, uh, some of some of what I think are, are fallacious doctrines. But I, I, I'm not as prepared as some, as some Protestants are to just, uh, you know, ex- excommunicate all Catholics from, from the body of Christ. So. help all right um so last uh yeah that did help so then last question so are roman catholics did they came from the roman empire or where did they start off from like where did catholicism really come out of from roman so roman catholicism um actually refers back to the 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 pontiff of rome the bishop of rome they're they're gonna say that that it goes back to um kind of peter as the first bishop of rome and that that there's this authority structure that that's vested uh in that um protestants are gonna are going to dispute that point, uh, but but Roman Catholicism, where it gets its name and 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 uh, and, and kind of centralized idea of, of of the Roman Pontiff, is really going back to um, the 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 concept that the the Bishop of Rome was kind of a greater among equals, um, and that that has developed over time. That does that help? Yeah, that did help. Okay. Yep. I'll go back to the audience. Sure. Yeah, if you think of anything, yep. raise your hand again. We'll, we'll bring you back in. Uh, inviting in Spirit Plumber to come on in. Uh, it, just just those watching, um, you, you know, if you if you raise your hand, you'll, you'll receive an invite. You have to accept the invite to come to come on in um, to the voice. So, uh, Plumber, how are you? Long time no talk, man. Uh, hi. Very quick question with probably a very long answer. Given the current trends of uh, secularization, uh, new conversions versus uh, people living the faith, and so on, what perspectives do you see for the Christian faith in the very long term, let's say 200 years, 500 years from now? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not exactly a, a sociologist, um, but from, from what I understand and from what I've read, um, uh, secularization is, is somewhat of a stalled project. So um, from, from, from how, from, from what, again, from what I understand, this is not my area of specialty, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this with some major caveats. Um, from what I understand, the secular project, uh, you know, scholars were looking at, at Europe 
um, and saying, oh, well, we, you know, we are seeing the death of religion. We, we, you know, we'll see secularism uh, rise and spread. Um, and really what we see is that that's just not the case. That's, that's not actually what's happening globally. Um, and that we, as we see the rise of, of technology and modernization um, and, and, and such in the West, um, we don't we don't see this this correlating uh, decline in, in any type of uh, religious uh, religious belief. So in, in fact, when we look at um, the, kind of the 80-20 zone and we look at, uh, you know, South America, Central America, Africa, India, China, so on and so forth, um, we actually are seeing um, the exact opposite. We are, we are seeing a, a, a church that is maturing um, within those areas. And now there's a lot of question where scholars are going back and saying, okay, well, you know, why, why was, why was, what happened in Europe then? Europe actually seems to be now kind of the exception. Um, and, and as I understand it, there, there's lots of, there's lots of questions now if really the secularization that we see that happened in, in Europe was, was a response to something like the excesses of state churches, um, more so than the, the response of, of culture, uh, kind of a flat sense uh, against or, 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 or inclined towards something like, um, you know, scientific naturalism or something along those lines. Um, so, so, so I would think actually that what we're, what, you know, if I could put in my crystal ball, um, I, I, I would think that what we're actually going to see, um, is the, is the rise of, of, <clears throat> of the, the Latin church, the rise of the African church, the Chinese church, um, even even in India and some other places, the rise of, of, of these um, of, of churches in, in these areas where it's just exploding, um, we are we are going to see the the kind of centralization of power, not centralization, the the, the locus of of, uh, of of power, cultural influence, and such that the church has um, shift to those areas and and away from uh, away from the West as it goes. So I I, I I think we'll continue to see growth of of religion and and Christianity. Thanks. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So, uh, any, you know, we, we're we're growing about fourteen people or so. Any any questions that people um, would have in in you know in filler filler time? Uh, you know, uh, tone. I know that you you always like to to have some questions in here. So as as we're waiting for some hands to raise, uh, if you, if you have anything that you'd like to talk about, that'd be that'd be great as well. Yeah, that sounds good, man. That's actually why I came in here. So. Um... What is your general experience when you're dialoguing with atheists? Is it mostly positive, negative? What would you say for the most part your experiences was throughout your years with um, communicating and dialoguing with atheists? Um, it's probably a mixed bag. Um, and, and some of that's going to have to do, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just as human as the next person. And, uh, to, you know, if I'm talking to someone who's kind of snarky and riled up and fundamentalistic and angry, um, you know, kind of your 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 typical uh, online atheistic fundamentalist. Uh, you know that <laughs> conversation might not be as productive as, as I would like it to be. Um, but but I found that I've I have had some really wonderful conversations um, with with some and, and developed some some long lasting friendships and dialogues with uh, some really brilliant. Atheists. I, I've had some great conversations uh, with uh, with Ben Watkins, Benjamin Blake Speed Watkins, one of the coolest names uh, out there. Uh, but you know, Ben Watkins. I've uh, had some great conversations with Ozymandias Ramesses the um, second. Had some really. I've just had some 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 good conversations, and I find that when when two people are or, or whoever the conversation are, are, are willing to 
try to be objective, try to understand the opposing view and try to say, okay, rather than just jumping to you're an idiot and you're wrong, um, uh, trying, trying to say, okay, well, you know, are, are, are we even speaking the same language, right? So, so sometimes when there's this fundamental, like, how in the world can you even think that? Uh, a lot of times what I find is that there's, there's, some, there's something that we're talking past each other. There's some type of um, disagreement that one of us or both of us are assuming a certain concept and, and uh, the other person just is, is not using that concept. And so we think that they're crazy. Um, and so, so that, that's why in you know, the philosophical literature, defining your concepts is the, is the first thing that you do um, so that we can kind of all be speaking the same language. Um, and I think that that's really, really important. I, you know, the conversations that derail uh, typic, typically are <clears throat> when, when one person or both people in the conversation come in just a really inflexible, um, just an inflexible way where they're, they're, they're not coming to, to listen, to understand. They're not coming to, to actually have a dialogue. Um, they're, 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 they're coming to uh, establish their point and to dominate the conversation, and that normally doesn't doesn't go well. Uh, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea culpa. I've, I've, I have probably done that many times over the years as well. I just think in my in my in my old age, I've I've learned to kind of say, okay, well, if we just stop for a second, what do you what do you mean? <laughs> What's what you know? You're using this word, and I think what you say sounds crazy. So. I, what, do, what do you mean by that term rather than just kind of assuming they mean what I mean by it? And I found that that, that adds to a lot of uh, productivity in the conversations. And ju just one more real quick. Um, when you're just engaged in study, um, what would be your advice to people who are just really trying to sift through um, improving their apologetic strategy and their knowledge of how to grow in their faith, how to defend their faith, like what would be your like your daily regimen or advice to people like learn new material because I mean, especially to people who are new to apologetics and stuff like that, they may not know where to start and they just may feel like they may be spread. What would be your advice to people like that? Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I typically, if, if you're if you're asking kind of like a study course and and what order people um, should try, I mean, I I, I commonly tell tell you know, people who are getting in apologetics or, or who maybe started apologetics but seem to have you know lopsided uh, approaches. I normally think it's it's far more beneficial if someone um, becomes much more comfortable with uh, how to read the Bible and how to read a book. Um, there's actually a, a, a book by Adler called How to Read a Book, which I think is very, very helpful um, because if you don't have that skill and you say, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go study, say, you know, naturalism or I'm going to go study, you know, neo-Darwinian evolution. If you don't know how to read a book, um, you don't know how to analyze an argument, you don't know how to do some of those, those kind of um, uh, foundational things, those, those, are some, those are some tools that, that help help your objectivity when you're understanding a view you're gonna you're going to have some struggles and so so i normally recommend starting with something like that as far as as far as a daily regimen or, or what to say i mean try try not to spread yourself too thin i mean I, like I, I i this happens to me sometimes where i have 20 topics that i want to study but i just can't do it all you, you know pick one 
find out you know the the, the best academic books or, or or treatments from from both from both or all sides um, and just try to try to wade into to one topic and, and get really comfortable with one and in doing that um, there, there's there's a really hard skill which which is 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 listening to understand before uh, you know finding your turn to talk um, and, and I think that if 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 you're reading, say, you know, if if, if a young Earth creationist, for example, um, wants to understand and have a conversation with a, with a you know evolutionary and, and, and you know a neo Darwinian Darwinian atheistic naturalist, and they say, okay, well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to I'm gonna learn how to debate that, right? Going to Answers in Genesis or going to something along those lines to get all of your information about the other view. Is is just going to cause problems because you're you're getting your information about a view secondhand, and you're getting it from. I'm not saying that they're not reliable, but you're getting it already filtered kind of through evaluative lenses, and that's a really that that's a way to really open yourself up to misunderstanding um, and and to and to confirmation bias. And so I would say, you know, if you if you want to understand someone's view, go go read their sources, go read their people. And, and your first job, the very first thing, is to understand, um, charitably understand, to objectively understand what their view is. Your first job is not to dismantle that view. Um, e- even if you go in thinking it's false, even if you stay thinking it's false, even if you're coming out and you end up still thinking it's false and wanting to dismantle it, your number one job is to understand it charitably as an adherent to that view would believe it. Um, otherwise, you're you're very prone to straw men and caricatures and and invalid internal critiques and and so on and so forth so oh sounds good man i appreciate it i'll go back to all these yeah no problem uh all right uh queer core um so your 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 official title is a keyboard warrior so uh thank thanks for coming on the mic uh and off the keyboard so uh how's your night um it's good good uh i just it, it's just a quick question, but um, I am not a Christian, but my family grew me up with God and everything. Okay. But um, what is what is God to you, like to you personally? Um, it's a interesting question. I have a heart. So when you, when you say what is God to me, do do you mean like? What, how does that impact my life or what what is what is the value that I think that it has in being a Christian? What does what what does God mean to you? Like, like what is, as a Christian, yeah. Like what is the what is the actual concept? How would I define God or 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 what does it mean that God is in my life? Like I, I, I is it is it the the kind of ontological question about what God is or the more existential question about what value and, and meaning that brings to my life? Uh, what, like, what does he mean to you in your life? That's okay. what I mean. Okay. I, I, I just, I want to make sure that I'm understanding your question. And I'm scratching where you're, where you're itching. Um, so yeah. um, I think for, that's a very big question for a Christian because on our view God, God is not only the creator and the sustainer of all things, but God is the, the, the telos of all things. God is the purpose of all things, right? So, um, you know, if coming from my tradition, we would say that the, the chief end of man, the highest end, the, 
the purpose that, that we have in life is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Um, and so there, there's, a, there's, a very, there's a very rich and meaningful sense of saying when, when God is in my life, um, I can be uh, who I am, who I am actually designed to be and created to be, and that is that is someone who is imaging uh, and reflecting uh, God. I, that that um, you know, I, I commonly when 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 I talk about what the gospel is, it's true that the gospel is doctrinally Jesus died for our sins; He's the propitiation for our sins. But really, what that what that means. What, what the kind of the existential weight of that is, is that I, I no longer have to be like Adam in the garden where I hide, right? I, I, I no longer have to say, um, well, my, my sin means that I have to hide from God or I have to hide from other people or I have to, um, you know, I have to, I, I have to live in dark places, you know, or par- at least parts of my life have to live in dark places, um, right? Because the, 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 the whole point of the gospel is that, 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 that light has come into those areas that I have forgiveness of sins and that I can, I can confess my sins to, to, to appropriately confess my sins to those um, brothers and sisters in Christ who, who it's appropriate to do that with. Um, and, so, and so for me, there's, there's great freedom in that. It doesn't mean that I'm without sin. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't, by, by any means, it doesn't mean any of that. Um, but it but it means that that my life is orientated in such a way that I can live life out of the cave. I can live life out of the darkness. There's there's great liberty in that, and there's a very real sense that um, that 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 for the Christian, when we say die, you know, when we say when we talk about dying to the self and living for God, some you know, out, when someone's outsider or they're a new Christian, that's a very scary sentiment that's that's almost like saying i'm giving up my identity i'm giving up who i you know i i have to just i have to become worthless and meaningless and and how how does my life have meaning if i become meaningless and and i would say well there there's that's not quite what's meant by that so when paul says to to live is christ and to die is gain there there's a certain sense where as a christian i die to myself in the sense that I die to myself in where I think that I am uh, the, the summum bonum or I am the end of life. I'm the, you know, I'm the purpose of my life. Um, and, and once I understand that, that my purpose is to live um, a, a life of, of, uh, of loving relationship with, with God and with, with others around me, um, I, I've died to myself, but, but I've gained a very, very... Um, far more significant sense of myself um, and that is uh, myself in, in, in Christ um, and so so I, I, I would it, it, the, your question is a very good question it's just very very big and very foundational to what what it means for a Christian to live the Christian life so I, I'm sure you have lots of follow-up questions that I would love to hear <laughs> because I just kind of uh, tried to, to, to survey a bunch of it what 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 thoughts do you have on that um, like I said, I am not a Christian, so mm-hmm. on to me, God doesn't like really. I wouldn't say exist, but he's not like, or they, um, are in my life personally. I just like to hear how other people like to describe 
that the higher being that they believe in and i find it really interesting right well i mean i i would i would challenge you to to look back over your life and and to look at um kind of the providence of it and and i found that <clears throat> that that when when we grow the, the 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 wise person is the person who actually can look back over their life um and see that even the even the even the tragedies even the bad things um there, there's there's a saying that says you know perhaps perhaps one day we can take pleasure in this or something along those lines and, and there's this idea where we can look back and we can see the 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 providence or the providence of certain things we can look back and we can see even the evil and the pain while it was painful at the moment we can actually take this this kind of strange pleasure in, in in the fact that it brought us to where we are even if where we are is not where we want to be um, it's who we it's who we are it's part of our journey and I, and I would and I would encourage people who who think that God is not a part of their life to really look back over uh, over that that providential history that you have and say I mean is it is it really the case that God that God has been far um, is it really the case that God hasn't been a part of your life? Because I, I, I think that God has, has, has likely been intimately um, a part of your life and, and, and leading you. Um, you may just not be aware of it. And it, it may be, um, there, there's, there's a book in the Bible, the book of Esther. Um, and, and it's the only, you know, scholars find it interesting because it's the only book in the Bible where God is never mentioned by name. He's, he's, God, God is never brought up. Um, and and there's this question about well why is that the case right why 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 is it the case that God is never brought up in this book and there's some theological reasons to that there's, there's some things that's happening in the Hebrew where where actually Esther's name um, tells you and reminds you why God is actually hiding because uh, in in Deuteronomy he said he would hide his face and 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 he would he would remove his blessing from them because of their sin and their idolatry and things like that um, but. Part of what we look at when we look at Esther is is we see God God isn't mentioned, but God is but but providentially, it's still a God story. It's still God working through what's happening, even though He's hiding His face, even though He's withdrawn His blessing. God is still providentially bringing His people along in this redemptive history, uh, and I and I think that 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 that's very true when we look at our lives and we see what God has actually done in the past and i and i would challenge you to to sit back and 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 to think okay well if i if, if there's this providential outworking what does that tell me about about you know what what is really true of reality is it the case that there is no such thing as god that that god is not significant to my life or 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 is it the case that that i'm closed off to that to that what's happening and and i'm and i'm simply not observing what god is actually doing um and i'm not responding in a way um that would be pleasing to god so so i so i would just push back and 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 ask you to really to really consider um if that is the case that god is not a part of your life okay um thank you absolutely yeah have a good night you too uh bring in i don't exist i i mean how do you bring in someone that doesn't exist i, <laughs> I don't know that's, i don't exist that, that's hilarious how do you exist i don't exist i don't know it's kind of an in-between right now um <laughs> i understand i understand that feeling actually <laughs> okay so my only real question is just 
What is your opinion on the clobber text? On the clobber texts. What what do you yeah. mean? What do you mean by the clobber text? Because I I uh, could I could think of what you mean, but I would love to hear it from you. It's just a collection of some verses that, in some way, shape, or form, justify um, justify homosexuality, transgenderism, etc. It's a collection of texts that justify homosexuality and transgenderism, or or justify negative treatment of homosexuality and justify, act like, yeah. So, so um, I'm glad you clarified. I'm glad you clarified because that's not where I would have gone with clobber versus. So I'm I'm glad you clarified. (laughs) Um, So we we talked about this in the in the last Q Q and A. I think that it's it's abundantly clear in the Bible um, that something like homosexual behavior uh, is is a sin. What I don't think is warranted or justified is the way that a lot of Christians have responded and and treat that that type of sin, right? They treat it as typically as if it's some type of sin that is like, the unspeakable sin like like homosexual behavior becomes like what leprosy was to the pharisees it just becomes this untouchable unthinkable you are you are banned from ever coming into the camp we don't talk about you we don't talk to you we don't right um i think that that is entirely unjustifiable um and so so it depends on what you mean by uh how to interact with the clobber texts um, because I think uh, you know, I think if you read if you read Romans one, for example, which isn't doesn't kind of fall fall prey to the issue of oh well, it's in the law and you don't you don't you don't wear clothes of mixed you know of mixed fabrics do you and you still eat shellfish and all that kind of stuff and so so well really the law says that you know that that, that, that that's where the 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 you know a man is not to lie with a man that comes from so why do you pick one and not the other? Um, I think that misunderstands. Um, the the Christian relationship to the law and 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 to to what Christ did um, from from the Mosaic law, um, but if you look at passages like Romans one, which really are dealing with the the normativity of it, um, I think it's very clear that homosexual behavior um, is 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 a sin. I will caveat, however, and this is this puts me kind of outside of uh, very conservative circles. Um, you know, I tend to be happy in moderate circles. Uh, I will, I will caveat that I'm not convinced that something like homosexual orientation is a sin, um, because I'm not sure that it's a it's a volitional activity. Um, though I think it is something that is due to the fall, right? So, so I have a condition where where I have daily migraines, right? I think that's a condition that's a result of the fall. I don't think that's how how um, how God created us in kind of our maximal sense to be. I don't think that's how we'll live in the eternal state. Um, I think it is a negative consequence of the fall, but I don't think I'm sinful because I have this condition that gives me migraines. Um, I, I could be sinful in how I behave in response to that disposition. Um, and I think I think very, very similar um, is, is something like homosexuality. Transgender specifically, um, I have to confess, I'm not sure what to do with. Um, and that's precisely because I think that that the the strongest evidence is that transgenderism is actually something like a dysmorphic disorder. 
Um, there, there's disorders where people have this sentiment like my left arm is not my left arm. It belongs to somebody else. It's, it does not belong on my body. The question of what we should do, should we allow that person to remove their left arm, um, for example, is one question. But I'm not comfortable saying that because that person simply has this dysmorphic feeling that they're sinful, right, in denying part of their body, right? There's a certain, there's a certain sense where I want to say we should, we should really take care and be sensitive and understanding toward um, how, how we treat mental health. Um, and, and, and so I think that, that, uh, that, that there's some of that that happens, although with LGBTQ, a lot of what has happened is that transgender has really been intertwined in some ways inextricably with things like gay pride and lesbian pride and, and, and so on and so forth. So um, I, I think it's a very complicated uh, complicated issue um, that I think that that in a, in a lot of ways both sides the the you know the progressive left and the conservative right have taken far too simplistic and far too prescriptive approaches to so um, I'm not sure if that fully answers your question maybe sort of it did pretty well it was really just like I was curious about your opinion on it but thank you so much absolutely. Uh, and, and I and I should say I said this last time. Uh, you know, for for me the gospel is of paramount importance. Um, and and again I know that that some people, uh, you know, in, in conservative circles will will flip out about this. But I I would much rather um, someone repent of their sin, even if they don't think they're homosexuality. Or there there are certain things that I do that I know that are sinful that I don't know are sinful. Right? I don't think they're sinful, but they're sinful. Um, and, and there's a certain sense where I want to say it's far more important to me that, that someone um, who, who is a homosexual, even a practicing homosexual, repents and comes to know uh, Jesus as their Savior and, and engages in that loving relationship. And if in God's providence, he brings them to understand that that behavior is sinful, then, then, then I hope and pray that that's the case. But it's far more important to me that that person comes in a relationship uh, with with Christ as their savior than it is for me to argue with them and try to get them to become a really you know to 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 become a good person before they become a Christian right I I, I think a lot of times the tactics that we have where we say you know you can't become a Christian if you're a practicing homosexual, well, that to me, I just think is backwards, right? That that's saying that you, and, until you become less sinful than you are, you can't be a Christian. Um, and and so, to me, I would say if if we're if we're focused on the gospel and we're focused on on, on spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, um, then then I just I think a lot of that conflict that exists um, should go by the wayside, um, and that we should find ways to make Jesus attractive to. Um, to all people. That doesn't mean I think we should go soft on sin. That doesn't mean I think we should lie and say homosexual behavior isn't a sin or affirm um, what we what we by conviction think is sinful behavior. What I what I what I am interested in is that we are not creating barriers to entry to the gospel in the same way that the Pharisees did. So, thank you so much. Have a great day or night. You too. Thank you. Um, all right, plumbers coming back in round two. Uh, plumber, how are you? Again? Good. Here's another. Here's another. A little 
perhaps far-fetched, but not so much. Sure. In 2014, Pope Francis said if aliens were to show up, he would gladly catechize and baptize them. And uh, your understanding of, understanding of Christianity is different than the Pope's, clearly. So my question to you is, would you witness to a non-human intelligence, maybe it's an AI, maybe it's an alien, maybe it's a genetically modified animal? Yeah. I've always thought this is a very interesting question um, because the way that I understand the scripture uh, is that Adam was the covenant representative of his progeny, so the, the human race. Um, whether or not you think he was the first human or not, he, he was the, the covenant representative for, for, his, uh, for his lineage. Um, and, and so I, I, I'm not sure what it means. So, so sorry, let me back up. And then when Christ came, Christ was the second Adam redeeming that original covenant. So, so I'm not, I don't know what to do with aliens, to be honest, because it's not clear to me that, um, that the Bible has anything to do with alien life. Right. So so maybe it's the case that, you know, on on the third planet orbiting, you know, Alpha Proxima, for example, um, there was, you know, there was a, a, a Proximian atom uh, and they had a fall and 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 God had to incarnate uh, himself in, in that, you know, to, to redeem that. I don't know. I I, I don't know. <laughs> um, so I, I would find it um, I, I find it somewhat strange to say that we would we would catechize and baptize aliens because I, I'm I'm not sure that that aliens fall under the 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 covenant of works and the covenant of of of, of redemption and the covenant of grace that we see throughout the scriptures. I'm just I'm just not sure that the scripture is is about that. Um, so I I. I in that regard, I don't know what to do with aliens. <laughs> um, I guess we'll find out if we ever cross paths with them. Um, you know, it, 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 maybe it'd be interesting if the aliens came. You know, we we have some of these these types of things where where missionaries went um, to to kind of you know jungle villages and such, um, and they found that these jungle villages almost had a testimony of that their that their their story their their sinful condition and their redeemer was going to come from somewhere else right so they they almost had this kind of quasi religious conviction that someone else's religion is going to explain our experience it'd be really interesting if if aliens kind of had that where they came where, you know they come and we find out oh well you know there's this whole alien religion um this revealed religion where where you know they believe that somewhere else in the cosmos you know, there, there was this moral fall that impacted everyone and they need to come and, you know, and, and, and find a savior. Again, I'm totally, uh, you know, imagine, you know, sanctified imagination at that point. Um, but wouldn't something like that be interesting? I don't know. I don't know what will happen when, when, uh, when if, if we ever find uh, alien life. Well, the, sorry, if, if a number, oh, uh, act student is going next. Sorry for taking up too much time. Thank you. No, oh, absolutely. Uh, Slinger, uh, Axe, you were in there. Uh, Axe student, ACT student. Um, okay, there you are. Um, so Slinger uh, sent you the invite. Um, you can definitely uh, accept that and step on in with your question. Um, remember, if you if you raise your hand, um, I, I have to send the invite to you, and you have to accept it to, to, to come in. So 
wait here for a sec couple seconds. Oh, uh, let's try that again. Once he clicks on your name, you gotta be prepared to come into the room. So, look out for that invite that says, um, "Yeah." There you are. There you are. Cool. This is for a micless person who just requested his question be asked. So let me pull it up. Sure. He wanted to know if following this religion is correct, is doing beneficial activities with no regard to the religion itself not worth doing? Or should we still attempt to be beneficial to others regardless of what we believe? Um, <clears throat> if I understand the question right, um, it, it, it's the question of should, should the secularist, for example, um, still try to do good things, right? Should we still try to do things that are beneficial to humanity, beneficial to others, even if we don't have religious convictions? Um, it, it, do you think, do you think I'm, I'm, I'm understanding that question properly? I'm reading his, his follow-up, and it seems like he's saying, see, he seems like he's asking, is it then frowned upon that I'm not doing a good thing because I want to? Okay, he's, he's basically asking, well, if God's commanding it and I'm only doing it is God because God is commanding it, uh, is that still good, or, or do I need to actually be concerned with like a person's well-being? Oh, okay. So, so the the question, you know, should, is is blind obedience good enough? Um, in one sense, I'm going to say yes. Um, you know, my uh, as a parent, I expect my children. Um, to, to be obedient, whether or not they like it, right? <laughs> I expect them to eat their broccoli, whether or not they do it begrudgingly and roll their eyes, right? There, there's a certain sense where um, uh, obedience to, to, to a good and rightful command, right? We're not just saying kind of blind obedience to, to whatever, um, but, but, but obedience to, to a good and rightful authority, a good and rightful command is itself a good, um, the, even if you don't understand or don't like it, we, we should do it as, as cheerfully as we could and as, and as, and as right as we could. Um, but I, I, I think there is a sense where we, we really ought to be obedient, even if we don't know why. So th this is, you know, this comes up when people talk about, um, Pascal's wager, right? So Pascal's wager is this idea that, that even if you don't, even if you don't necessarily have, Certainty, or you're not sure, you still ought to, um, you still ought to kind of bet on God's existence. You still ought to to believe and act in accordance with that belief. And there's a subjection that says, well, you know, surely God would want me to be obedient, um, not simply based on this, you know, probability calculus, right? Sure, surely He would want me to believe um, based based on something more than that. Right. And, and my initial re my initial response to that is, well, of course, he, of course, he would like you to, to be obedient because you love him and, and, and care for him and care for his heart and things like that. However, that that doesn't mean that even if you're you're in a state where you're not sure you're unsure, um, but you're kind of going on the, the, the risk analysis. Um, that doesn't mean that obedience isn't still better than than simply disobe than disobeying right or disbelieving. Right. So it's still it still might be better for for the unbeliever to act as if God exists on kind of a Pascalian sense um, than to act as if God doesn't exist. 
Um, uh, so, so I, I would say that yes, um, you still ought to. Although, you know, if if uh, we we should put ourselves in positions, um, we we should try to 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 seek activities. We should read the scriptures. We should pray, even if we're not quote unquote feeling it. Um, to put ourselves in a position such that we could feel it, um, or, or or we could uh, find that joy if, if possible. So, hope that hope that answers their question. How do I get out of here? <laughs> uh, I think you. Oh, there's there's a there's a button that says I think like exit quietly. Yeah, there you go. Um, all right, I'll move, so, them. I'll move them back. Okay. Um, ACT student, ACT student, ACT. Yes. How are you? Um, I was just wondering, uh, could I just like vibe here, or is this just for like non-believers only? Yeah, no. This is you. This is for everyone. We, I mean, you could we could All talk right. about. You know, if you ask me about some like you know sixteenth sixteenth century Japanese economics, I might not have a, an intelligent answer for it, right? So, <laughs> right? You know, we should probably you know keep keep in the realm of, you know, of the Bible and Christianity, but yeah, I mean, right, we, yeah. Can, we can discuss anything. Right. Um, just a few more like uh, I mean, I'm of course a believer in Bible as God's word, so it's more of like a food for like food for thought kind of question sure. of the Bible as believers. Um, I think I did a good job answering this non-believer the other day, and he seemed pretty respectful. But like, even even though he was a bit skeptical of my response, where basically the argument he was trying to make was, we when, when we look at eight people that come out of the ark from um, it was flood, and then I think like. The time from time skip from that to the Tower of Babel is like 180 years, somewhere around there, give or take. Like his question was like, how could like population growth even support that? Or like even like around the relative era of the time of like the Tower of Babel, you also should theoretically have like other civilizations growing as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. So, so what you're saying is that, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm maybe I'm missing the the, yeah. the contact, right? So, so you're saying that there there was the, the this challenge from an atheist um, saying that 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 we we wouldn't see the population that or that population growth wouldn't be sustainable. Like we like basically like even if we had like thousands of peoples on Earth by like. By the time, like by the time of the Babel era, like right. there's no way like we could like spread all over the earth. Oh right, yeah. So so kind of th th this is this is the the typical problem of of well, um, you know if, yeah. if if the if the flood is a global flood and and you have yeah. you know uh, you have Noah, his wife, his 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 sons and, yeah. and and their families, right? You're talking about I don't know 15, yeah. 20, 15, 20 people. Uh, how do you how do you repopulate um, uh, enough to get something like the Tower of Babel, and then from the Tower of Babel and the spread, how do you get to the population? You know, how do you get to the Mayans, right? That that type or, of question. Or even like the pyramids and etc. Pyramid, yeah. So um, I'm not sure that I have a good answer. Um, to really? be to be completely honest, um, and and this is partly because, um, and, and I'm not entirely. 
you know when you when you, you know when you have certain views or or lack of views about the about the Bible and you're you're not entirely comfortable with where you're at. Yeah. That's where I am at when it comes to when it comes to the story of Noah, uh, right. and and the flood. I I think there is. Um, I think that there is ample reason, or at least enough for me from what I've read and studied. Right. Um, there's enough to give me pause and to make me skeptical of a view of a global flood um, rather than something like a view of a localized flood um, being described in, in cosmic elements, which was very common in the ancient Near East. Um, I think that if you have something like a localized flood, um, the, the, these issues surrounding uh, global populations um, go away. Um, you, you don't. You just don't have these types of issues that arise. Um, but there are some other issues um, that that may arise textually right. uh, out, out of that. So, so I'm I'm kind of in this uh, unhappy tension. I have to admit, um, where right. where I'm not really happy. Um, with with any of the views and 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 so it, it, I'm I'm kind of stuck in limbo um, to be mm-hmm. to be completely to be completely honest um, I don't think I'm in limbo in, in such a way that it makes me doubt the inerrancy of Scripture I don't think I'm, I'm in limbo right. in such a way where it makes me doubt you know the historicity of the story What it makes me doubt is that is that we have a, a firm understanding of what of what the story is actually describing in the in the right. historical real world. I think, um, like, when I gave a response to it, like, I kind of gave, like, this low ball where, like, the like the current, like, highest population growth right now belongs to the, the country of Syria, which is at around 5%, and then applied that to 180 years. I also exclude Noah and his wife, so we're having a base population of six. So, like, we ended with, like, 60, around 60,000 people in a time of 180 years. And even then, that's a pretty big low ball because, like, I feel like if you're considering, like, people who, first off, they just got off the ark and they know, like, a huge apocalypse just happened. So, like, they know they have to repopulate. And second, like, they're, they can live way longer than us. So, they have way better genetics than us. And also, if, if, if like Adam, if like Noah and his family are like blessed by God directly, and especially encouraged to like repopulate the earth after just the whole flood, like, and if we compare that to some like in modern history, the most like prolific woman, like, like, and even in modern history, which was around the 1700s, this person was able to like give birth to like 69 children. So like. I feel like just imagine how much like Man. these like almost superhuman like <laughs> people back then could have expanded that like how fast. Yeah, I just feel bad for that poor lady. <laughs> I mean, that's a yeah. lot of kids. Uh, yeah, I mean, I again, I think I think part of the the type of answer that you give to this or the type of answer that you're going to find convincing, um, yeah. I think I think really is going to be dependent on the type of um, uh, the type of view that you're going to take on. Uh, you know, the age of the earth is Genesis little yeah. literal history is the flood, you know. Uh, I go it, by 6,000 years. What's that? I go by the Usher's chronology, the 6,000 years. Right. So so I, I think I, I think depending on your view, um, there, there, you're, you're going to be, you know, it's kind of it's kind of the garden, the garden path. Right. What, what if you pick one 
one path, one you know, one path or one 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 you know, one direction of a fork, that's going to commit you to uh, only certain types of answers are going to be possible for you, um, and, and and some of that is going to be dependent again on on your you know, are you are, what are your view on the age of the earth? What are your view of what's happening in the text? Is it local? Is it is it is it uh, is it a global flood? Is it you know what's 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 going? On? Those are going to commit you to certain courses of action. I think that for me, one of the reasons why I don't really take um, strong strong stances on this is because um, there there are certain positions that I just haven't committed myself to further upstream um, that that don't that don't kind of force some of these problems onto me again that that's not that's not to say that i'm in a better place because i don't have some of these problems because i, I haven't taken a view um and, and maybe i should maybe i should commit myself more to certain views um i've just they're just areas that i haven't studied that much and i've been i've been studying other other parts of other parts of the scripture although i i, I think that the, you know certain views that i hold of genesis as being uh, as being non-literal, they're not asking about material creation. It's not actually telling us old Earth or young Earth. It's not telling you know. I, I think that that's not the purpose of Genesis one uh, and two. So I think that's going to lead um, to 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 certain uh, kind of certain dispositions about these questions about the flood and such that that others like yourself um, and, and coming from what sounds like more of a young Earth camp just just aren't going to really be that comfortable with. Um, and so, you know, that, that, that's just going to be probably an area where, where we would differ. Although, you know, I think that if you're, if you're in that young earth camp, you're, you're probably giving answers that, um, that are in, in accord with what that position is. Does that help? Cool. All right, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you think of another question, raise your hand and we'll, uh, we'll bring you, we'll bring you back in. Uh, Alex, see you. Thanks. Uh, liar censor speech. Welcome. Liar censor speech. Yeah, yeah. How how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? So I'm I'm doing okay, and I'm an actual Christian. I just wanted to bring this to like other people's attention. I mean, obviously, Reformation. Like, I don't know. Most of the people that I talk to in this server also have been in politics and the politics and religion. I don't know if anybody's had a bump in with King Xerxes. Uh, this isn't what this is about. This is about asking him questions. About asking Tyler Bell whatever question you have. If you have any other like out of out of um this um form concerns about other servers or whatnot, could you wait till afterwards? I mean I, I can, but my, my problem with atheists is that they don't argue from good faith in the first place. Uh well if you can make that into a form of a question then that would be great for this particular forum, right? I mean, I mean, I'm 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 fine listening to to why you think that's the case in 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 a generalized sense. I mean, I I think that that that's probably a descriptor of of different people of all views. I mean, there 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 are Christians that I've met that don't argue from a position uh, starting of good faith. So, I guess I would ask why you think that's that's the case, and why that can be well, generalized to all atheists. Well, yeah, so I can't generalize that, obviously. So I'm just bringing that to the attention because I've seen Tyler, and I think that you've actually said you were just, you've, you've been in a debate with King Xerxes or discussed with him before. I, I, I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I'd, rather, I'd rather not focus on, on one, 
you know, uh, kind of air, airing airing dirty laundry of, of a grievance with one person in, in the servers. Um, did did I mean I, I I'm happy to discuss kind of a generalized a, a generalized point or, or talk about you know what is is there is there a strategy that we see prevalent among um, you know is it is it online atheist new atheism do you think it's atheist general I mean I'm I'm happy to discuss some of, some of that with you but I don't, I don't know if I want to kind of place the onus on on one specific person and and you know talk about no no that's 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 fair i understand you know you're coming from respect and i have no problem with that so you said that you've been debating with atheists as well as theologists for 20 years in in your 20 years of debating them have you ever experienced a time where you had an atheist actually tell you that that's a good point that they're going to think about that yeah i I mean it happens pretty regular i i mean i i've i've had some very great conversations ongoing conversations um with with atheists and, and and believers that that have had that I've had some that have challenged me and I've had to say oh that's a that's a really good point let me let me think of it let me go go me do you have resources on that you know let me go think and and I've had I've had others go both of, I mean honestly like one of one of my favorite people to talk with um, is Ben Watkins um, that 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 guy is is always uh, uh, you know he's he's always going to challenge me to think. Um, and, and I found that if I, that, that, that when I speak with him and push him, he's like, oh, that's a good point. Let me think about that. Um, so I mean, I've, I've, I've found that, uh, common. Um, although I, you know, I, I, I found the opposite <laughs> too a lot. Um, but I find the opposite a lot also. I mean, I, I, I'm in a lot of discussions dealing with reformed theology and non-reformed theology and cre- different views of creation. I mean, I really, the, the, the 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 kind of ten, the 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 question of temperaments and if people are objective or not objective or you know exhibit Dunning Kruger and so on I mean that that's just going to be the case across the board when you're dealing with with people um, I think that's irregardless of what the issue is no oh, yeah I understand that I respect your uh, your approach so I guess my last question would be uh, someone that has, you know, 20 years experience with debating like atheists, I would say like one of the main uh, arguments that I hear from atheists is the whole contradiction of the Bible. Do you yourself any like uh, have any sources that you could point me to to read to like like actually help counter argue that? Yeah, so that's great. Great question. Um, I'm I, there, there are some there are some books like I, I think Geisler um, had, had a book on, on Bible difficulties. Um, all, you know, some, some of his answers I found very good. Um, some of them not, you know, I, I was like, oh, that's probably not a really good argument. Um, so, you know, finding what you what you'd have. What I typically found is the best. So when when, you know, an atheist or someone says, oh, the Bible is full of contradictions. My first question is, okay, g- great. Can you tell me one? Because I, I found that that, that, that trope um, is something that's kind of parroted uh, and they hear it often. And what they mean by contradiction a lot of times isn't actually a contradiction. It's something that they think is just false. Um, and so, you, you know, nailing down what they mean. Do you mean a contradiction? Do you mean something is contradictory within the scriptures itself? Or do you mean that you just think it's false because it contradicts what you think is true of a certain scientific theory? Or do you think it's false for some other reason? Or do you think, you know, finding out what they even mean. And a lot of times they don't have specifics. Um, and in that case, I, I would normally ask them, okay, I mean, I, I'm happy to, to discuss anything with you if you can bring a specific case. Um, let's look into it. And if I don't, if I don't have the answer, because 
I mean, I don't have the Bible memorized. I don't know, you know, all that kind of stuff. I say, well, great, I'll, you know, I'll go, I'll go look into it and, and get back to you. I've typically found that the best resources are the are are are, uh, are commentaries. So if someone says, "Oh well, you know Jesus in in Mark when he's asked about uh, when when he gives the list of the commandments and he goes through the different commandments and he and he says uh, one one of them is um, uh, basically to not." Um, uh, to not take advantage of the poor. I, I can't remember the exact word that he uses, uh, but, but he, he lists uh, a commandment that isn't in the Ten Commandments. And so the question, you know, the, 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 I've had atheists come along and say, oh, well, you know, see, Jesus, Jesus didn't even know the Ten Commandments, right? He gets it wrong. Um, and, and going back and saying, okay, well, you know, what do the, what do the commentaries say? And, and reading and seeing, okay, well, what Jesus is doing is when, when he's talking about the commandments, that, that word doesn't, doesn't just mean the Decalogue, right? There's lots of times where, where he gives command. What's, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Well, that's not part of the Decalogue either, right? It's in, it's in the Torah, but it's not part of the Decalogue, but it's the greatest commandment, right? So, so it's just not the case that Jesus was an error because he didn't, you know, exactly quote the Ten Commandments because commandment didn't have to mean just the Ten Commandments. So, um, so that, you know, reading commentaries and, and stuff like that, I, I found when once you have a specific example, going and looking it up and, and reading some of the best literature on it is really the best way to, to, to handle it. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay. So okay. last one from me, and I am very happy to let anyone else get ahead of me in line. I do not wish to stamp. That's all right, Plum uh, Plumber. I, I, I've, you know, we, we just started talking earlier today, and I've, I, you know, I've, I've enjoyed our conversations immensely so far. So uh, if you have a question, keep, keep raising your hand. The next one is I have asked you about uh, optimistic futures. So I would like to ask you about a pessimistic future. Sure. And sure. this is two questions. If you were to begin experiencing in your life, uh, the eschatology of your faith, would it strengthen, weaken, or leave your faith alone? And if you were to begin experiencing in your life the eschatology of another faith, let's say uh, the, the Norse pagan Ragnarok, would it strengthen, weaken, or leave your faith alone? Um, interesting. So there may be a terminological difference here that... that um, that makes my answer not answer what you're asking. So if that's the case, let me know. Uh, by, by, by eschatology within, within the Christian tradition, it means something like, um, a lot of people think it means the end times. That is what I mean, yes. Right. That's not entirely accurate, however, to what eschatology is in the Bible, because you know, we would say something like there, there, there's eschatology in, in, you know, in the garden, right? There, there's the starting of the movement and the solution going towards the garden. There's a, there's a great book by J.V. Fesco called Last Things First, um, where, where he goes through some of this stuff. I, I myself hold to a position that's called amillennialism. Um, which is a, a certain view of the end times in the millennium that basically says um, that the there, there isn't this like left behind idea of a future rapture and a millennium, you know, millennial reign, the kingdom is here for a thousand, all that kind of stuff. It's that with the coming of Christ, the, 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 
the final state has been inaugurated, right? The, the, the seed has been planted. It's like this blossoming plant such that when, when you ask if I were to start living my eschatology, I'm just going to say, well, well, as a Christian, I think I am living eschatology, right? I, I, I am living um, the, the experience of the growth of the kingdom, the expansion of the kingdom, uh, and, and, and the hope of, of the coming of Christ, such that the next thing in human history just is the second coming. So um, I, I'm not sure how to experience it. Other, you know, what would it mean if, if Christ returned tonight at midnight? Well, I mean, it'd be to, you know... I, I don't know asking, you know, how would it would it strengthen or falsify my view? And that's if Christ came back, it would probably strengthen my view. Um, so, you know, um, whereas whereas like if if Ragnarok, right, you know, if I found out that Ragnarok was true, um, would that would that strengthen or weaken my faith? I mean, part of that question, part of what's inherent in that is just if, if you found out that that the falsification of your view was true, would that weaken your view? And I'm just going to say, well, probably. I mean, if I found out my view was false, I would probably be less inclined to believe my view. It would probably weaken my resolve quite a bit. So I, I'm not sure if I understand. I, I don't know if that answers your question. I, I feel like I'm missing it maybe a little bit. Uh, no, thank you. It does. I was uh, referring to, for example, the great disappointment that happened to some Baptists in 1840-something. Uh, oh, yeah. And their finding that their uh, eschatological expectations had been disattended actually caused them to renew their efforts in their faith rather than uh, lessen it. Yeah, there, there's, will... there's, a, there's a strong history in, within kind of millenarianism uh, within... Uh, within the Christian tradition where, you know, some, someone will predict Jesus is coming back like next Thursday and then it fails and they've sold all their stuff. I mean, that's just, um, I, I think that that is a, that's a sad phenomenon within Christianity. Um, I think dispensationalism, uh, while it's not, I think that, that extreme, um, does lend to some of that idea, um, of a, of a very, um, a very futuristic not in like the science science fiction type of future, but that but that that really the important stuff of Christianity uh, is is that that's left to happen is all in the future, right? And there's this sense that it's not quite happening now, um, and and that would be a position that I just I just don't agree with. Thank you. As a personal note, if anyone cares, in 2011 there was a preacher named uh, Harold the Camping yeah. living in Oakland, California who made a, an end-of-the-world prediction for October or May, I forget. And one of my neighbors went to that church, and I found myself in the position of uh, lending a room in my house to her because she had sold her house to help Mr. Camping pay for extra radio ads to spread the word about the end of the world coming. Yeah. That, yeah, is that, that is why I'm interested in this. It is part of my personal history. Yeah, so, so I think camping actually... Uh, even after 2011, I think he, I think he made another prediction, like in 2015 or something. Um, so, no, just, he died just, shortly after. Yeah, uh, maybe, maybe there was one. Be maybe 2011 was the last one, and he made one before. He, he camping had done done it a few times. Um, I think what uh, if I could recommend there's there's actually a couple of uh, I think resources that 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 um, that I recommend. There's a lecture series. Uh, on iTunes U, it might be in the podcast app in, in iTunes um, podcast. Um, it, it's called Lectures on Prophecy um, by Richard Pratt. 
Um, it's it's a lecture series that I like. If I could make every Christian listen to a lecture series at gunpoint, I would make them listen to that. Um, it's lectures on prophecy, which is somewhat of a misleading title because it's not like like a Harold Camping, prof, you know, prophecy conference type of thing. It's lectures on the prophetic literature in the Old Testament, and it's a strong corrective to this type of idea that that prophecy and prophetic literature is is all about this this future um and and that christianity really you know it kind of follows the televangelists of you know jesus is coming send me your money uh and richard pratt kind of has this funny saying where he's like hey if you think jesus is coming you send me your money because you don't you're not going to need it anymore um so there it's a it's a really excellent lecture series uh and, and i recommend anyone to listen to it so 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 plumber if you're interested in this topic and I think what's a more balanced, and I think honestly, a, 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 a you know more faithful to the biblical uh, to the biblical witness, um, I, I would recommend that that lecture series. It's it's really excellent. Thank you for promoting sanity on this topic. I will <laughs> stop bothering you for today. <laughs> Absolutely appreciate it. All right, ah, oh, atomic glue. What are we gonna do? How are you doing? <laughs> How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well, man. Good. Hey, uh, I actually, I was just funny thing. I was actually uh, just thinking about you earlier, uh, in, in a platonic way. Um, anyways, <laughs> what I was thinking uh, was about your debate with uh, Aaron Raw, uh-huh. and uh, it's been like what two years? Yeah, I think a couple months over two years. Yeah, right around there. Yeah, yeah. So I was just going to ask you um, if you would have done anything different different in that debate uh what do you think you would uh would have changed um that's a good question um the the debate topic was was basically on uh science and uh, christianity no no it was science and religion are, are, do they conflict yeah right? are, 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 are science yeah. and christianity historically in conflict right so so he was he, yeah he was supposed to bear the burden of proof or, or, or the the, bur- the burden of the positive affirmation that yes they have been right because he affirms something like the conflict or the warfare thesis between science and religion. Um, so, so he believes that they're incompatible. That's his view. Yeah. So he so he would affirm something along the lines of uh, what historians of science have called the conflict or the warfare thesis between science and religion where religion is is actively hostile to the towards and 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 has been you know prohibitive to um the the advance of science um which you know historians of science have have largely debunked and and rejected as just a revisionist history invented by uh by draper and white at the end of the 19th century um so that that was the debate right and so so my tactic was to try as much as possible to show why historians of science have have rejected uh, that model. Um, I think that uh, I, I think that I probably, in, in in hindsight, looking back, would have been better served under, <laughs> understanding who my debate opponent was, um, and and I went in thinking that this would be a you know a, a normal debate where where. One person has the affirmative. One person has the negation. We both, you know, have our burden for those, and, and we would go after the. We'd go after that. Uh, our RN came in um, with a very different script, um, and 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 very much tried to um, tried to to move the discussion into 
something almost like exclusively into the realm of, of creationism. And I, and I kept having to, to basically say like, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a young earth creationist. I'm not here defending creation, you know, creationism or creation science. Um, you know, can, can we step on, stick on topic? So, so there, you know, I, I think, I think going back, I, I probably should have prepared more for, for some of that, that, um, the, some of those rabbit holes that, that we went down, yeah. I think. The, the switcheroos that he likes to do. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, interesting. Um, also, Tom Jump was also, or T-Jump was, uh, was a good debate, too. That was a while ago, also. Yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts on that one? Or um, how did that come out as far as, you know, you walking out of that and thinking, uh, yeah, I could have done this, or I could have, you know, or, you know, what were your thoughts on on that debate? And then I'll I'll, I'll wrap it up. Yeah. So I, I think that with uh, with Tom Jump, um, I mean I, I have lots of thoughts about Tom Tom Jump and his and his strategies. Oh, I like him. Do. I, th- yeah, I think I he's a nice guy, but I think he is he is um, he's all over the map in his understanding of of philosophy and philosophical terms. Um, I think I, I went in expecting a certain level of, of philosophical understanding um, and, and uh, that, that just wasn't quite present. Um, and so I, I, I wish that I had shifted sooner um, uh, away from really trying to develop what, what is a philosophically nuanced case for the existence of God um, and, and really go back to okay. I mean, wh- wh- what are what are the what are the basics? What are the brass tacks? Because a lot of I think the confusion was uh, was Tom Jump not understanding um, and and trying to kind of do philosophy um, and, and trying to interact with some of these nuanced and complex positions uh, that he didn't that he really didn't understand. And so I I I, I, I wish I would have gone back uh, and realized sooner to 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 stop stop some of the 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 more nuanced positions and go back to some of the basics and try to build from there. Okay, man. Uh, thanks a lot, man. Thanks. Appreciate yeah. it. Talk to you later. Mm-hmm. It's just a, as a quick bit of a piggybacking off of what you say. Uh, I think, uh, this is a good opportunity for us to let like new Christians know, like when they're, um, in their encounters with unbelievers and stuff like that to learn how to stay focused as much as possible, because I know there's, that when you were talking about Aaron Ross shifting the topic to creationism and things like that, there was similar issues like that when you had your debate with um, Eric Murphy. Like when you guys yeah. were talking about the subject, what is atheism? And then he'll try to change it to a subject about you demonstrating the existence of God. So I think that's just something helpful for us to know, to understand what the topic or the subject matter is and always keep it focused. Yeah, it, it, is, it is something, it is a skill that I have had to work very, very hard on. It is, it is probably one of the harder things um, in debate, um, even seasoned debaters. I mean, you'll, you'll watch, you know, William Lane Craig, who's probably, you know, one of, whether, whatever you think of him, you think of his views, he's probably one of the top debaters uh, in, in the apologetics, uh, you know, Christian apologetics world. I mean, even sometimes he gets kind of like hooked into rabbit trails. Um, it's very, very hard um, to always stay on topic and to have, you know, kind of the, the wherewithal to, to to consistently say, hey, I appreciate that point, but that's not that's not on topic. Let's get back on topic. Let's stay on topic. Right. That, that takes a lot of that takes a lot of fortitude to, to be able to do. It. it takes a lot of practice. It's hard. 
it's really hard to, to do that. So um, it, it is true, but it will help you um, to, to understand really uh, where 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 we where where you are in the conversation and how you got there. There's there's always this happens all the time, and where you're in this conversation and you've gone down thirty rabbit holes, and you're like, oh. <laughs> How did we get here? I don't even like. I'm sure people have had this experience, and I and I, and I've had it many times where I'm like, I'm not even sure the point that we're talking about anymore because we've gone down so many rabbit trails. Like, I don't know. I I, I I'm not even sure the relevance of the comment that that person just made because I, I don't have a context for the conversation anymore. Um, and so um, that 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 really can be a challenge. So, uh, Aslan. Uh, you 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 are good, but not safe. Hello, good night, brothers. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty. Have you heard the song? Have you heard that song, Aslan? What song it's is by, that? It's by Kendall. Uh, I'll have to look it up and, and send it. There's there's a song, uh, As Aslan, uh, <laughs> by, by I can't remember if her first name is Kendall or her last name is Kendall. Um, <laughs> it's it's a very beautiful song. Um, so okay. anyway, anyway, sorry, rabbit trail. Uh, how, how, how's your night going? Uh, it's going good so far. Good, good. How can I help you? Um, I had one, uh, one little question. Of course. Okay. As a Christian young man, I mean, dealing with peers and peer pressure and work and stuff. One of the issues that plagues young men is should I say, like, lustful desires, I should say. Okay. So I'm guessing you're a, you're a pastor, I suppose. I'm not a pastor. Um, I I was an elder at a church for a time, but uh, have, have moved on from that. Um, not moved on like I got over it or something, but <laughs> but but relocated, and some some things in life have have, have changed. So I'm no longer uh, acting as an as an elder at a church currently. Oh. Okay, so as a Christian leader, what is your what is the most effective way for young men to not fall victim to these, I should say, temptations or mm-hmm. indulgences? Yeah, that. Like, what is the most effective way? I mean, as a Christian, I I read the Bible. Uh, and I'm asking this on behalf of other brothers and sisters, well, other brothers and sisters. Yeah. I read the Bible, I pray, but I don't think I pray enough, but I read the Bible. But you being someone who has already passed through this stage, what is the most effective way a Christian, young man, could not fall victim to these temptations? Yeah, but it's a very, very good question, very hard uh, question, um, and and I have a, I have a few thoughts on it. One one of them um, is the more theological answer. I think there are important practical outworkings of it, but it's probably a little bit more theoretical. Uh, and that that is in in your prayer um, and in your Bible studies to really focus on um, who you are in Christ. Um, to 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 focus on um uh on on your identity in Christ and where your value is um, because a lot of a lot of what leads a lot of what comes from that is when you when you understand 
your value in Christ and who you are in Christ to God, um, there's a certain level of, of, of pleasure that there is in that. Not not in kind of the carnal sense of pleasure, but um, yeah. a, a certain a certain level where where <clears throat> you you have pleasure in God and in your life with God, and so you're you are able to organize your life more consistently that way. Um, and so I, I think that no matter what efforts you take, um, there, there's a certain sense where we have this kind of myopic understanding where, you know, you know, we'll just call a spade a spade. If someone has a porn addiction, they're so focused on the addiction that they're, they're like everything is about overcoming that addiction. That's not a bad thing. You have to talk about that. You have to talk about addiction strategies. But there's almost a certain sense where if you just do that, the foundation is missing, right? And and so you're not going to be as successful because you're trying to build this house without this without the true foundation. And the true foundation is Christ and Him crucified and who you are in Christ, and the power uh, that 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 comes from that. Um, so I'm going to say I'm going to say that first as as uh, as kind of the theoretical framework for for what else I'm going to say. Following, following that, um, I think that one of the most detrimental things that people do is that they hide, which is a natural response. Sin is hiding. Yeah, Adam and Eve, they hide too. That's yeah. right. Adam and Eve, the first thing they did was they hid from God. They, they hid from, they, you know, they, they, they hid from God. They hid from, they hide from each other, right? The, any time you talk to someone who has come out of a major sin, I can tell you almost down to a person, they almost certainly had to go through an experience of coming out to people, um, yeah. to to friends, to family, to pastors, to elders, right? And, and again, you know, it's not like you go around a church like, you know, hi, I'm Bill. I'm addicted to pornography. You know, you're not, you know, you're not yeah. coming out to everybody. You do it in appropriate yeah. ways. But there's a very real sense where you cannot do it alone. There, there's a reason why God has designed us to be in community, to be in fellowship. There's a reason why he commanded us to not forsake gathering together uh, and why he said in James um, that we are to confess our sins to each other because the prayer of a righteous man is, is powerful and effective. So, so I would say that the the... Part of why you want to root your your attempts in your identity in Christ is because that helps free you from the sense of shame that you have. If you know that you are beloved in God, that 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 nothing can separate you from the love of God, that your sin has already been paid for, that that's who you are in Christ, that helps you understand that you don't have to be ashamed and hide. Right, it's it's not that if you come out, God's going to reject you, right? Um, there's nothing that's going to keep you from the love of God, and so that helps that helps get rid of the shame, and which helps get rid of the barrier to having some of those genuine uh, confession and and accountability relationships that you can have with other men in the church. Um, which which are needed. You have to then go on to some of the practical steps of accountability. You know, do you you know how you you know what what those steps look like are going to be individual. 
But yeah. um, being able to to be completely transparent um, and and not hide from from some of the, the you know your pastor or, or you know your your brothers in the church that that are there to uphold you and pray with you. Um, you, you know, you have to, you have to limit that sense of shame and that's going to be rooted in who you are in Christ. But at, 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 not that, that's the ad. The church that I used to go to, there was a lot of Christians there who, they sort of wait to see you fall. Yeah. So they can use it against you and smirk and laugh. I don't believe they are true Christians at all. So it was difficult to find true genuine believers who whose love covers a multitude of sin and is willing to catch you when you fall so it was difficult yeah yeah it's it's hard yeah Yeah. you know i I have a couple of uh, a couple of brothers that i'm actually um counseling through some of this with them and and i constantly encourage them you if you go to your elders you know confess confess your sins right <clears throat> come come out of hiding. God loves you. You know, you're 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 not going to be so sinful that God's like, "Wait, you did what? My blood doesn't cover that." <laughs> like like there's, you know, the, if you if you read Romans 8 and it talks about that that nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Yes, you have to confess your sin and yes there is a, there's a certain amount of contrition and shame that comes along with that, but if you understand that that's that you're not going to be rejected. Right, God, God's not going to stop being your your Abba, your Father. Um, you, you can you can come out to people, and if you're at a church where where you think about you know my, my pastor, my elders, I, you know the the way that I've seen them interact is not gracious, it's not loving. Then I would just say, well, then go to a church that is. I mean, I'm not going to say whether or not they're Christian or not. I don't know them. I don't know their heart, but it, but find you need to find somebody in your local church. Um, that, 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 that is a, a mature and godly man who, who you can confess to and, and, and they can uphold you. I mean, God, God, does, God tells us the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Right? That's, that, right. that's not just to say that they, they'll, they'll pray a whole lot for you. It's that their prayers will actually work. They'll, they'll do good things for you in your life. Um, and you need to align those. But the first, the first step is, com- you know, the first practical step is coming out of hiding um and and taking that 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 first courageous step and 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 confessing your sins it's hard and scary but you got to rip off the band-aid and i i can't tell you how many how many people that that have come out of these types of addictions have said that it's just it's such a liberating feeling once they can talk about it with people and they're no longer ashamed and they're no longer hiding it Um, and that really is the turning point in their recovery Nice. Uh, one last thing. Of course. In terms of gathering with other believers, what about core doctrines? That what about gathering with people who teach that you could keep the law of Moses uh, as a Christian? You ought to tithe. Um, they believe you can marry. You could divorce your present wife and marry another. Uh, and they believe in a sort of oneness view, like a Pentecostal oneness view of, of who God is. Mm-hmm. Should should a Christian gather with such a person, with such a people? 
Should, sorry, you broke up a little bit. Should, should they what with such a person? Yeah, so, so should Christians gather with people who believe gather. and hold those sort of, sort of views? Right. So um, I think that there is a lot of, there's a lot of area for conscience uh, in, in Christianity. Um, there, there's a lot of area for, for, for different views. Um, and so without, without saying you know, that, that this specific group or that specific group you, you should or you shouldn't gather with. I think that uh, one, of, one of the wisest things that, that uh, you know, Martin Luther, the, the Protestant reformer said, um, was that really unless he's convinced by, by the clear teaching of Scripture or by conscience, uh, he can, he, you know, he, can do, he can't do otherwise, right? He will not repent. He can't do otherwise. There's a certain there's a certain um, there's a certain wisdom to that I think in in even deciding who you fellowship with who you gather with what church do you go to right there there are certain churches um, that that I'm not going to be comfortable attending um, and and I think that you know to more or less degrees that may be theological um, that may be that may be cultural that may be that may come down to questions about their view of the law they're the kind of what level of legalism would I be comfortable with to a certain yeah. degree, right? So um, I, I would say um, that there has to be a balance, right? You're never going to find a church where, where everyone is, is like-minded, and I'm not sure that you should, right? Because, you know, uh, I, I think there is a certain sense where iron sharpens iron and being around different people and rubbing up against different people who hold different views is, is, is part of how God sanctifies us. Um, but if you're if if you're if there's if there's a church that you're really not comfortable with something or you really think it's detrimental, I would say try to find a different church, um, and to do it as peaceful as you can and to protect the peace and the purity of the church at large. Thank you, better. Absolutely, thank you. Have a blessed night, people. We don't have any more any more hands up for now. If you guys have any questions, um, we'll be going for probably another, depending on the questions, as, as planned for going about another uh, another thirty minutes or so. But uh, if no more questions, that's fine. Uh, oh, there we go, slinger, slinger, slinging back in. Let's see how. Sorry, I keep forgetting about the little button at the top. <laughs> but the so I recently just uh, reconverted and I wanted to know if like you could break down the differences between what the, all, all the weird like like the Presbyterian groups are like reformed on paper but I know a lot of the churches like they, they deviated and I'm, I'm not familiar with whose doctrines or what no more because I've been out of it for so long yeah I, I mean are you asking about you know Presbyterian denominations in in specific or like yeah or reformed in general yeah. like, like um, so there, there are a lot of different Presbyterian denominations. The big Presbyterian denominations, right? The, the, the major ones that you're going to see are like, um, the, the PCUSA, the Presbyterian Church of the United States, um, the PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America, and the OPC, which is the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. Um, the, the PCUSA is a mixed bag. They're the one that have, they have largely gone liberal, um, they ostensibly hold to things like the Westminster standards, but they mean that that um, that they affirm them as the the documents that have historically been in their tradition, not something that they ascribe uh, 
uh, any any type of doctrine too. They're the types that you're going to have, you know, lesbian, transgender bishops. Um, generally, that's not always the case. Um, there are some PCUSA churches that have held out that are conservative that still have the idea that they are trying to be the leaven within that denomination. Um, so you do have some of that. Um, the, the OPC is going to be on the other spectrum. They're going to be the further, uh, very conservative, very, uh, very kind of doctrinally rigid, not necessarily in the bad sense, but just kind of in the inflexible sense. Um, and, and so far more conservative. Uh, the PCA is going to be somewhere in the middle, right? They're not going to be liberal. It's a conservative uh, Presbyterian denomination. Um, but, you know, the, P the PCA is where like the Revoice Conference the, uh, on Human Sexuality um, was, was put forth. Although some people in the PCA, there was a big, you know, hullabaloo about it. So it's a little bit more of a mixed bag. Um, and then you're going to get into all the various like NAPARC denominations and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, so that, that, that's, that's going to be the, the Presbyterian, uh, depending on what you mean by reformed, there's independent reformed, uh, churches. Uh, there's like a, I guess a coalition or a federation called fire. I think it's a federation of independent reformed evangelicals or something like that. Um, and, and those are going to be, uh, reformed. Uh, theologically, but kind of have an independent church structure, not a not a Presbyterian church structure. Um, and then, uh, it, it, you know, if 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 Reformed Baptists are in the Reformed world, then you're going to have a bunch of Reformed Baptists, and they're they're scattered all over the place in, in independent churches. Some some are in the SBC. You know, there's a, there's a strong kind of Calvinistic or Reformed Baptist contingent within within the SBC, um, and so on and so forth. So it's a little bit of a, it's it's way more complicated than that, but that that's kind of a lay of the land. Well, I guess with that, does does anyone know how I can get my role changed to Christian? Uh, yeah, I could do that for you. Yeah, that'd be it. And Sl Slinger, I, your voice sounds... Did we talk, like, years ago? It's possible. I've gone by the names Rebel Ape and Child yeah, of Noah. Yeah, Rebel Ape. We have talked before. We've, we've talked. Good good to know, man. Good to know you're, you've become a Christian. I'd love that. Sweet. I'm going to bail out the thingy now. Yeah, I'll just update as well, and sounds good. Um, do you have any more questions? Right. We see we, we have Mr. Eli Eliala in the audience. That's great to see. Yeah, Eli, Eli how are you doing? I know Eli uh, has, a lot of, has a lot of cool things, cool things coming up. Um, always good to always good to see him. Let's see if he asleep, but uh, he has anything to say. I'm gonna invite him in. Hey, how's it going? Good, brother. How are you? I'm doing all right. Just uh, listening in and playing Nintendo Switch as my family is sleeping. <laughs> doing a little nerdy <laughs> night tonight. <laughs> yeah, I play Nintendo Switch with my brother all the time. Great, good times, yeah. man. Good times. Yeah, I'm a loser. I'm playing by myself, and I'm going to be 39 in a couple of days. <laughs> this is what I do when I'm not studying theology and apologetics. I like to relax and play some video games or watch a movie. What have you guys been talking about? 
there's been lots of lots of questions, good questions about some some theology, some kind of practical Christian living, some biblical questions, how to how to handle uh, you know the, the the claim that the Bible contradicts itself and 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 stuff like mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. yeah, love love my to question. Have... Go ahead. My question, my question for you, Tyler, is what is what is the most difficult question you've been asked from an unbeliever before? What what is an area, for example, as a Christian? That when someone asks the question, you'd be like, "Oh man, that's 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 an area I really need to beef up on because that's a that's a difficult question." You have any of those? Yeah, I so I have a hard time, uh, and and I don't know if this comes from because you know I was an unbeliever for so long, and so I'm kind of not not coming from the the, the Christian subculture, and and I still I, I you know I still I still have I, I still remember that 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 life and that worldview, and so. Um, <clears throat> Sometimes it's hard to to just to answer the 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 objection of just the Bible's weird, mm. right? Like 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 just just that 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 kind of surface level incredulity, um, sure. where there's not really a point. Um, it's it's just the like, well, like you know, what why why in the world does God care if, if we're circumcised? Like in right. the Old Testament, right? Like, what up with that? Mm. Right? Or, or um, you know, there, there's there's all kinds of you know uh, there's all kinds of strange laws throughout the Old Testament, right? So one, I, I did a research project. One of my favorite ones is in uh, is in Numbers five, um, and it's uh, it's a trial by ordeal of a woman suspected of adultery. Right, so if a husband is, is suspects his wife of adultery, he brings her to the priest. They have to bring a sacrifice. They do this whole thing with just to drink the bitter water. And basically, like, if God finds her guilty, she'll have like a. There's there's question about is it a miscarriage? Is it dropsy? Is it you know what 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 is uh, it? Yeah, and, and I deal with that question all the time when it, people are trying to use it to justify abortion. Yeah, so, right, so right, there's, right. there's kind of that which is which is just I mean that's just a that that's that's like a really dumb way to use the passage but there's a certain level like the, the, the types of objection that's like like why would god put that in his law like there's a certain right. level of incredulity that's just like i mean I, I i don't know i guess i'll ask god when i get there um about certain sure. certain passages um where you know if they say it's immoral or something like that i know how to answer that but but some of those questions are just like it's the you know it's it's a foreign culture. They they do they do they do foreign things there. Why in the why in the world is it that way? Um, right, so, and they're, they're they're weird even for believers. Yeah. So, yeah. so you kind of it gets one of those questions that you resonate with the unbeliever. You're kind of like, yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it's weird. I don't know, I don't know what to do with that. So hey, the, yeah. the, those those to me are the are the hard ones. I don't think that they accomplish what the unbeliever thinks that they accomplish. Um, but I right. but I always kind of well, feel the tension of like, oh, and, you know. I don't weird really doesn't like equal false. Weird doesn't weird doesn't equal false. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. While you while you're here, you do you do a lot of interviews, Eli. Do you have any um, chats with Tyler on your um, on your on your channel? Um, Reveal apologetics. Do you have any chats with him? Are you kidding me, man? I've had a couple of them. They're they're why, to be perfectly honest, they're some of my best episodes. You should check them out. Yeah, I have him. Yeah. Uh, I had Tyler on to talk about Molinism. I had him on to talk about um, um, uh, some of Tim Stratton's work, um, Open Theism. I think the recent one. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I got to check those out for sure. Tar- 
Yeah, Tyler, I mean, I don't want to make his head big, but Tyler knows his stuff, man. And uh, he's one of those rare people that, uh, you know, people who tend to be smart and knowledgeable tend to be socially weird. And he uh, is knowledgeable and normal, which is very helpful <laughs> in having conversations. So I can be um, weird. You could be weird, but yeah. you ha- it's not it's not my normal experience with you. So um, I always appreciate the stuff you have to say, especially from your Facebook posts, like in the comments. I I read through some of those, and they're super helpful, dude. Thank you. Yeah, I think both of you guys come off as very smart and intelligent dudes, and. I don't get the sentiment that you guys like social like awareness or anything like that. That I that just I just don't get that vibe from you, gentlemen, whatsoever. Well, I appreciate that. One of my goals in life is to not be that way because I've had some interesting relationships with people who are socially awkward, and it's just really difficult to uh, it's difficult to navigate those sorts of conversations. So, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, if, I, if, I I have... could, if I could return the compliment, I mean, there, there's, and, and Eli knows this, uh, is that a lot of times people will come to me and be like, hey, hey, you know, we, we want someone to, to debate or come on the show. And I'm like, okay, like, I'll do it. But like, can you go talk to Eli first? Because I, I just think he's such a better representative than I am. So like, uh, so, so, uh, it, it, and, and, and Eli knows that we've had this conversation. I'm like, hey, I told these people to come talk to you because I think that you should, you should be the face of, of Precept, not me. Um, so, you know, anyone, anyone who isn't familiar with Eli's show, I mean, it's, it's, it's hands down probably one of, one of my favorite, if not my favorite uh, YouTube uh, apologetics channels. So, um you know, I, oh golly, I, dude! I, I highly that's super. It. Well, I very flattering, dude. In terms of debating, I think you are a far better debater than I am, and I learn a lot just listening to all your interactions. You do, you do something that I think a lot of people don't do is you debate a lot of like these inter. Um, I'm gonna say this kind of these internal debates, the Calvinism stuff, and open theism and stuff like that. And that stuff is super helpful. I think you do it really well. So. Um, we can return the favor all night, but I, I really have been blessed by a lot of your stuff. So Thank you. I appreciate Good. it, man. Appreciate that. Yeah. So, yeah, man. So I was, uh, I guess I share with, I'll share with you now. I had, um, I had, um, been planning to have Jay Dyer on my show. Um, oh, talk about Eastern Orthodoxy, be uh, but it fell through. I was just telling, um, Tyler, just moments before he went live here, it fell through. Um, I won't go into the details, but I'm I'm actually glad it fell through, and it it is it has helped me realize the importance of being wise in terms of choosing who you interact with. <laughs> Let's just say some conversations are more fruitful with some people than with others. So yeah, uh, so it's not going to happen. But um, I'm I, I actually. Um, I was talking to a few people. I, I think I'm going to make Eastern Orthodoxy a little pet project of mine since there's not a lot of reformed interaction um, on it. So it's definitely a topic I've been currently more interested yeah. in, and uh, I'm going to try curious. my best to kind of dig into it a little bit. I'm curious. Why do you think that is, that there's not a lot of reformed interaction on that? Because that seems to be similar to things like dealing with the Hebrew Israelites and things like that. There's just certain subjects that don't seem to be touched very often. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, well, I think historically, um, the East, the Eastern Church, just you know, when you think of the uh, since the schism, you have the conflict, for example, 
between the Protestants and the Roman Catholics, and East has just kind of been over there doing their, not their own thing. I mean, there's some minor interaction, but they're kind of kind of isolated in, in these common debates that we're familiar with. So you don't really hear a lot about it historically, and in, in the modern context, I mean, there's not a lot of Eastern Orthodox people on the whole, but it's, I think it's experiencing a, a minor, not a huge, but a minor resurgence um, to the point where I keep getting asked about it. And when I ask others, everyone says the same thing. Oh, yeah, Orthodoxy? I don't really know what they believe. Uh, I don't know those, are those guys who deny original sin, right? So I was like, that's happening way too much. And now um, I don't think a lot of people are knowing how to interact with, with those positions. So I think there should be, a, I think there needs to be a, um, an outlet for that. Yeah. And Tyler, what are your thoughts in relation to dealing with orthodoxy and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm very much in, in the reason why, in the reason why we don't have uh, a lot, because I mean, historically, the, 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 the conversations and the topics that are, that are discussed. I mean, we are Protestants because we protested Rome, right? So we, you know, that that just that just is the the framework by which we as Protestants identified ourselves, we developed our, our concepts and our theology. It just wasn't kind of in the melting pot with 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 the Eastern Church. Um, and so all a lot of our arguments and theology is just um, derivative of, of that of that context and that conflict um, with Rome. Right. And so it just it just historically has not been the the arena of discourse for us um, to be you know rubbing shoulders with the Eastern Church although I mean there 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 has been there has been some of it um, but it just I, I think Mike I think Mike Horton um, has done some work on it on the Eastern Church um, uh, you know some, somewhat recently but it's just it's just that's not the 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 topics that we are um, entirely interested in discussing. And I think the other reason is once you start getting into, you know, Eastern thought and, and studying it, you, <laughs> uh, East, Eastern thought, Eastern Orthodoxy is just not as systematic as we would like. And so it doesn't, it doesn't really engage in some of the, 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 uh, yes. the clearly defined on. conceptual frameworks that that Roman Catholicism and, and Protestantism have we have some of that in common so so you know Catholics and Protestants kind of engage on the same field um, and Eastern Orthodox are just d don't like I don't mean this insulting but they're they're like they're like mud people right they're like they're, they're like <laughs> like we're we're like we're like the the really you know uh, maybe colonial troopers that that you know march each other in lines, and we have very clear decorum and and where these conversation is, and 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 Eastern are like more like guerrilla tactics, and they're kind of all over the place, and we're like, oh, we don't know what to do with that, um, and so I think some of that has has caused the conversations to be a little bit more prohibitive. I I agree with that. If you want to debate a Roman Catholic, I mean, it's it's right there. Like you can have their official writings; they lay out. A lot of what they believe, yeah, there's some debate as to what they mean by this, that, or the other thing, but it's pretty clear uh, because in the West we tend to be more logical and rational. Um, can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think my headphones did a noise where it's about to die. Uh, I, uh, but um, yeah, they, we tend to be on the West. We tend to be more rational and logical, whereas in the East it's more of a mystical. Um, um, emphasis 
So, you know, talking to Eastern Orthodox folks gets very um, difficult because it's like nailing, you know, jelly, you know, jello to the wall sort of deal. You know what I mean? That makes sense? Yeah, I've definitely yeah. had those experiences. I understand. Yeah, very much so. But, but that said, when it all boils down to it, the parts of Eastern Orthodoxy that's not like nailing jelly to a wall, the way we would respond is very similar to how we would respond to a Roman Catholic. Like, or, get, get past yeah. the get past the essence energy distinction. Get past you know all that sort of stuff. And they deny justification by faith alone. They affirm tradition. Uh, they'll claim to be the true church, like Rome. So their arguments will be very the same. You know, oh, we believe what the church always believed. Uh, it's interesting. The Roman Catholic says the same thing, and they hold to popes. So who do we believe? So that's kind of the same sort of stuff. Uh, ultimately, with some minor important differences that I think, you know, we need to be equipped to address. But, uh, you know. Well, sounds good. Awesome. All right. Well, I, I haven't seen a, any, any new questions here in a little bit. So I, I think uh, we are going to we're going to wrap up. Um, thank you, uh, Eli, for joining us here at the end. Tone, thank you for uh, for moderating. Uh, and keeping this going one way. Thanks for thanks for setting it up and, and advertising. And uh, thank you to everyone oh, who, who asked there, questions. Oh, wait, one, one moment. There was a quick hand that went up there. Oh, I was saw it? Varuna. Did you want to ask your question, Varuna? I saw it go up real quick, and it seemed like she maybe thought you were going to close it out there. Did you still want to ask your question? If not, then we'll go ahead and close it out, I guess. Um, going once, going twice. <laughs> uh, I guess... Um, Okay. Okay. She says she's good. Okay. I, I guess real quick before you close, I got one more quick question. Sure. Um, in terms of uh, how I address what is atheism, I love that question. That's actually one of my favorite subjects. And when I was um, watching your interaction with uh, Eric Murphy, I was just thinking about how you broke down the dichotomy between um, atheism in a philosophical sense versus atheism in a uh, um, a psychological sense, right? You have the psychological perspective and the philosophical perspective. And I just thought that was such a great way to really undergird the topic of atheism in terms of how they try to argue it against um, the notion of a propositional belief system. Like how they just contextualize it as just a state of just lacking a position. It's just a psychological view and when I really took the time to truly digest what you were talking about I've um, employed that into my methodology and how I interact with non-believers and they just don't know what to do with it and I guess my question is this um, why do you think there's there's so much absent with most atheists and how they understand like a belief in terms of uh, it being a proposition versus a psychological condition. Why do you think there are so many atheists who don't seem to really understand that? And there's this prevalent view of atheism in terms of not having a robust defense. It's just merely the lack of belief. Why do you think that's the case? 
Yeah, well, I mean, first let me let me clarify. When you say a psychological condition, we don't mean that it's like a, a psychological ailment or, or mental illness yeah. or anything like that. What 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 we mean is that there's that there's an autobiographical use of the term, um, where to say someone is an atheist is to kind of say you know psychologically they they lack a, a, a belief that God exists. Like if you if you open their mind and 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 every belief corresponded to a marble. The marble in their in their in their mind that corresponds to God exists wouldn't be present, right? So they they lack a belief in that in that very in that very kind of autobiographical sense. Um, and and what I point out is, well, I mean, theism can can have the same, right? We can define theism in an autobiographical sense, right? So so theism um, we can define as just being the presence of God belief. Right. Right. And, and, yes. then, and then to ask the question, well, is theism true or is theism rational? It, is, it just becomes trivially true. Well, it's just trivially true that I have a, that I have a belief in God. Like it, it, do, it doesn't make sense to ask if that's rational or not. It's just a description of, of my kind of cognitive psychology. Um, and so it's just, it's just not helpful. And it's not an answer to the question, does God exist? Right. So, so if the question is, does God exist saying, well, I lack a belief in God, that doesn't answer the question, right? So I give the example of saying, um, you know, is uh, you know what 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 is you know or well, I forget how exactly how I asked it, but but is washing one's hair good for personal hygiene? Imagine someone saying, "Well, I have brown hair." Okay, I mean, I'm glad you described yourself, but that doesn't actually answer the question. Uh, and so when we're in these conversations and we're saying, "Okay, well, does God exist? Yes or no?" When the atheist says, "Well, I just lack a belief." It doesn't actually answer the question. What does answer the question is the philosophical sense, which is the proposition that God or gods probably or do not exist, right? That, and that's the philosophical sense. But once you admit the philosophical sense, then you actually have a burden of justification to go along with it. Um, so, and, and, and so I think there's a certain sense um, where, where, you know, kind of online atheism, they want to avoid that burden of proof um, because it makes their job easier in the discussion. Um, but also there, there's there's just a certain kickback, I think, to to someone else defining a term for you and defining a usage. And I think they just kind of are incredulous to that. Uh, if you if you watch the YouTube channel, I've actually had two episodes. I had I had an episode with Ben Watkins on because um, Ben actually had a, a very <laughs> if you want to see a fiery discussion, uh, watch Ben Watkins on Tom Jump show. Uh, they actually their debate uh, was uh, is atheism a lack of belief between two atheists? It's a fantastic discussion. You'll you'll see. I, I feel yes. so bad. I feel so bad for Ben um, because uh, uh, Tom Jump just behaved really poorly in that discussion. And so I had I I, I called Ben onto my show. I was like, Hey, you clearly prepared as if you were going to talk to someone who was going to reasonably engage. You didn't get that opportunity on Tom Jump Show. Come on my show, present your opening statement. Let's talk about this. Like, let's have a conversation. Uh, because Ben Watkins is, is is one of those people that is he's like, hey, like online atheists, stop saying that atheism is a lack of belief. Like, we have a term for that. It's called non non theism. That's the that's the autobiographical oh, sense. Atheism also, is a philosophical yeah. sense. Um, I've also had. Um, uh, Osmandius Ramesses II on talking about atheism and, and the burden of justification, where he argues, like, if you're an atheist, of course you have a burden of justification, right? You you have to justify yes. why you believe or why you don't believe, right? Like, that's just that's just how philosophy works. Um, and so I, I, I tried to get two really, really smart atheists on to, to make the same point. So when I talk to atheists, I can be like, look, like, 
this isn't a Christian thing. <laughs> like atheists who are who are educated in these areas say the same thing. This isn't, you know. So uh, I, I think that that's, it, it's a helpful conversation to have. Um, although, you know, sometimes if you're really dealing with someone who's just entrenched in, in the, you know, that kind of meme level atheism, I'm not, I'm not sure how helpful it is, but it's an important conversation to have. And it's interestingly enough, like when you look at the philosophical literature, you know, I don't want to commit like a genetic fallacy or anything like that. But when you understand the origins given the philosophical literature by um, Anthony Fluke before he became a deist, um, he was one of the most robust defenders of the atheistic worldview in like the past half century before he died and became a deist. And when you look at his uh, paper, The Presumption of Atheism, he was not arguing per se um in his paper that atheists do not have to defend atheism at all he, that wasn't the context of what he was trying to convey and there are so many atheists out there who are not even aware of the original literature and how that term came to be right and then they just adopted all these canards that they've seen on the internet i mean long after he wrote that paper um he was still um, vigorously defending atheism before he became a deist and it's just it's just striking to me just the sheer ignorance out there on this internet infidel type level it's just so stunning to me that these people think the, the original contextualization that was to avoid the burden of proof and that wasn't his intention whatsoever and i just think there's a lot of ignorance out there about that right yeah yeah and that's where you get things like atheism is atheism um, and, and they and they just they just get the etymology wrong, right? A atheism is not atheism, right? The, the, <laughs> um, you know, ah is the, is is the Greek yeah. you know, pre, you know yeah. prefix a, a equals not, right? right. You heard that? And, and they and they somehow think that, that that really we had this English term theism, and and we affixed a to it, and so it's it's without theism. Well, the problem is that's just yeah. not the etymology of the word, right? We we have a Greek root athe, which which is uh, without God. Um, it, you know, Christians were called uh, were called atheists. Um, they they were called athe because they denied the gods. They 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 rejected the gods. They were without the god. They were without God. So um, so it's just not the case that the etymology of atheism was built by by adding the the prefix to the already existing English. Uh, term athe uh, theism. So, um, so yeah. So they, they 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 get a lot of that a lot of that information wrong. Yeah, maybe we can like really have a conversation about that sometime. But I know you got to close this out, and I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thank thanks for letting me uh, have the stage again here, and uh, and 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 again, I appreciate everyone's uh, questions, uh, and and look forward to doing this again soon. So thank you all, and good night, and God bless.